Welcome to Always and Forever, a One Tree Hill podcast where two lifelong friends and superfans analyze the greatest teen show from the early 2000s. This week we are discussing How Can You Be Sure, the 19th episode of Season 1, which was written by Karen Usher. And girl, let me tell you about Karen Usher. Let's hear it. So... Much like Jennifer Cecile, who we talked about in the previous episodes, Karen Usher has some projects that basically went to development hell, and I'm very, very disappointed in that. Um, To give a little bit of background on Karen Usher, she also serves as the executive story editor of One Tree Hill. And in addition to that, after One Tree Hill, she went on to produce Bones and Prison Break. Oh, wow. Did you watch any of those shows? You know, I saw a little bit of Bones. But I never never got into it. I, I tried watching it because of David Boreanaz and he was on Angel and whatnot, but... Yeah. Then I couldn't get into it because I was just like, why is he out during daylight hours? He's a vampire. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> so I couldn't really, like, immerse myself in it, but... That the show, show was on... For- yeah, a really long time, right? It was on for a really long time, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm sure it's great. I am sure it's a wonderful, wonderful show. But anyway, and I'm sure Karen Usher did a great job on there. Back in 2019, Karen signed an overall deal with Universal Television to develop, write, and executive produce programming for for like the, for network cable and streaming platforms. So um, Universal, I'm guessing that is, that's things like Peacock, NBC... But anyway, she's had um, two projects that never really went anywhere, unfortunately. One of them is a drama inspired by Reva Levinson. I got this um, story from Deadline. And Reva Levinson, she was the first female executive hired to work for Black, Manafort, Stone, and Kelly, which was a political consultant firm who worked for Ronald Reagan in the 1980s. And, you know, as we know from, like, history lessons right now, Ronald Reagan, kind of a problematic dude, and... That particular political consultant firm, there was like a lot of sexism and things that were just like really wrong back then. But anyway, that's one of the projects, and I'm sure that's very fascinating. That's still listed on IMDb, so I'm guessing it's still being worked on, being fine-tuned. Who knows if the show will ever get picked up? I hope it will be. But this other show, I read about it in a Hollywood Reporter article from 2018, it's no longer listed on Karen Usher's IMDb page, so I guess the project is dead and buried. It's a show called Demons, and it was meant to air on Hulu, and it was about a psychiatrist who brainwashed children during the Satanic Panic back in the 1980s. Wow. She has a really diverse set of, like, projects. <laughs> Like, every single project you have described is completely different, basically. You're right, yeah. Like, okay, she worked on a teen show, a detective show, a show about breaking out of prison. I'm sure Prison Break's much more nuanced than Mm -hmm. that. I never watched it, but... And then The Satanic Panic. And I've been reading a lot about The Satanic Panic recently. Let me tell you, like, what I've been doing over my holiday break, Caitlin. (laughs) (laughs) It's something I'm really, really fascinated about lately, and I don't know why, but... Do you know anything about it? I do not, honestly. Okay, so I- I'll give like the the Cliff's Notes version. You know, you can do your own Google search if you want to. And um, but basically, back in the early 1980s, that was during a time when a lot of women had to start going to work, mm-hmm. so they couldn't take care of their children. So the children had to go off to like preschool, daycare, things like that. And there was one case where a child got um sent to a daycare center and was allegedly sexually abused they had to find it out that it wasn't true 
long story short. But among the other allegations, in addition to sexual abuse, it was also there were also allegations that they were bringing the children into a satanic cult. What? I have definitely never heard about this before. Yeah, there was so there were a lot of allegations of that. And then after that one case, which again turned out to not be true, it became this widespread thing. Where, essentially, like, you know, all these children who were going to these daycare centers and whatnot, they were getting indoctrinated into satanic cults. And the biggest reason why a lot of this happened, there was never any proof whatsoever of these satanic cults ever existing whatsoever. But what a lot of psychiatrists did back during this time, they would actually talk to the children and basically brainwash them into thinking that these stories were true. Oh my gosh, so did this actually happen? This actually happened, yeah. Like, th- there were children who, like, years later into adulthood, they ended up realizing, that, like, all these things they told, like, these psychiatrists, they ended up realizing, like, holy shit, that never happened. Oh my gosh. And that, like, basically re-traumatized them, because it's like, you know, you you, you, you went your whole life thinking all these things were true. Like, oh, well, yeah, I was in a satanic cult, so then you realize, like, shit, that didn't happen. This is a really dark subject for a show. Yeah, definitely. And the funny thing is about the whole satanic panic, it never really ended. Because you're seeing it go on right now with all these QAnon bullshit conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Pizzagate and all that stuff. Like, it's it's still happening, unfortunately. Yeah, just in a different context. Yeah. So this, again, this happened like in the early 1980s, and it was seen as a way to make Ronald Reagan look good because it's like, oh, look, Ronald Reagan is against, um... Is against children, like, being molested and going into satanic cults. And just like, you know, um, right now with QAnon, it's making Donald Trump look good. So it's like, basically, like, history is repeating itself. You know, because, like, oh, wow, like, they're against pedophilia. That's great. Like, uh, of course, like, we're all against pedophilia. Nobody is for it. But also, these satanic cults don't exist. You know? Wow. Yeah, history does repeat itself. It's really, really scary. <laughs> Yeah, so I I gotta say, like, after doing some research into that show, I'm very disappointed. It doesn't seem like that's going to get made. Mm -hmm. But who knows? If anybody has listened to this, please pick up this show. I'm kind of surprised, because people like dark shows like that. Yeah, exactly. I'm kind of surprised that didn't get picked up, honestly. You know what? I bet you anything, it could get... This idea could work now in the context of, like, QAnon and everything. Mm Mm-hmm. Because now people are talking about topics like this now more often. So, who knows? It could work, but... This was back in 2018 that you you read about this? Okay. Yeah. It was supposed to be on Hulu, and it just never worked, unfortunately. Interesting. So, Karen Usher had quite a career, at least, in developing these projects. Maybe some of them didn't work out. Yeah, exactly. So, all I'm saying, though, is that if any, if any network wants to pick up this idea, I will gladly do something on the crew. You'll produce it. <laughs> I'll produce it with what little money I have. <laughs> I'll be a consultant or something, because I've been doing all this research these past few weeks. <laughs> you could be the inside journalist. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, the episode... <laughs> Karen Osher also worked on this episode, but it was also directed by Thomas J. Wright and originally aired on April 20th, 2004. As a reminder, this podcast is spoiler-free, but stay tuned after the credits for a fully spoiled discussion. Somebody told me that this is the place where everything's better and everything's safe. Our story picks up right where we left off, 
with a pregnancy and a proposal. After Brooke tells Lucas she's pregnant, he suggests they go to the drugstore to get a pregnancy test. The test comes back positive, and they both start to freak out. The next day, they go to a family clinic to get a proper test and then await the results. Of course, Dan drives by the clinic at the exact same time and sees them outside. He later confronts Lucas about it and basically tells him that he can get out of this with an abortion, just like he tried to do years ago when Karen was pregnant. However, we later learn that Dan may actually have some stronger parental feelings toward Lucas. At the end of the episode, we see him look through a lockbox filled with newspaper clippings and photos of a younger Lucas. As Brooke and Lucas argue about the potential pregnancy and Lucas questions if the baby is even his, the doctor calls Brooke with the results. Once she is off the phone, she confirms that it's not only Lucas's child, but that she is definitely pregnant. Lucas tells his mom that Brooke's pregnant, and he gets a slap in the face. Literally. Karen apologizes for her reaction, and says that she's upset because she never wanted this for him. Later on, Lucas goes to see Brooke and tells her he will support her and the baby no matter what. Brooke then reveals that she lied about the pregnancy because she was upset at him for his slut-shaming. As for Keith's proposal, Karen says no, and that while she deeply cares for him, she needs to take time to find herself. After the shock wears off, Keith tells Karen that her no was a big wake-up call for him, and that he's decided to move away from Tree Hill. Meanwhile, Lucas confronts Nathan about the kiss he witnessed between Nathan and Peyton the previous night. Nathan and Peyton both confirmed that the kiss meant nothing, and it was just to follow the rules of the boy toy auction. Even though that kiss meant nothing, Nathan and Haley have another conflict, sex. Nathan sees Haley's 23 tattoo on her back and asks her why she would get something so permanent when she won't even have sex with him. Haley now feels pressure to have sex with Nathan and seeks out several friends for advice. In the end, Nathan says he doesn't want to pressure Haley. When he saw the tattoo, he realized how serious this relationship is and didn't want to mess it up. Nathan confesses that he loves Haley, and she says she loves him too. And Nikki continues to stay in Tree Hill and feels like an outsider from Jake and Jenny's life. She even confronts Peyton and pressures her to stay away from her family. Hmm, I wonder what drama will happen next. Sorting through my memory box, I'm Caitlin Illinich. And wearing all the eyeliner in the world to make myself look like a psycho stalker bitch, I am Jeremy Rodriguez. <laughs> that's a good one i felt weird about saying bitch because i feel like that's a word that men shouldn't use but i'm like i I just had to own it you know what can i say i'm okay with it cool cool i'm glad (laughs) (laughs) all right so today's episode is named after the radiohead song how can you be sure it's radiohead jeremy (laughs) (laughs) Everybody missed the dirty look that Caitlin just gave me because if you didn't listen to an episode earlier in the season, I don't remember which one it was, but I accidentally called Radiohead Radio. (laughs) No head, it's just radio. And she even talked to me about this before the episode started. Be sure you say it's Radiohead. (laughs) So... Here we are. Tell me about this Radiohead song, Caitlin. Tell me all about it. So I found this song to be interesting because I feel like the narrator of the song doesn't really know what he wants. Like, it's obviously titled, How Can You Be Sure? And then that's stated within the song. But also something that's repeated over and over again is, I don't want you. I don't want you. I don't want you. 
how can you be sure? And Ooh, yeah. I feel like even though the narrator seems like he's sure because he's saying, I don't want you over and over again, I feel like there's this sense that he doesn't really know what he wants or she or whoever the narrator is. But I feel like this song kind of brings up a lot of questions. Like the title itself is a question, but I think it also connects to how the characters in this episode are dealing with a lot of different questions and wondering, like making different decisions and wondering how things are going to turn out. Like for example, with Lucas and Brooke, is Brooke really pregnant? If she is, can they do this? Mm-hmm. Is that going to be possible for them to have a life together to take care of this baby? What's going to happen? And then Nathan and Haley are also wondering about their relationship, too. They they don't really know the direction that it's going in. Haley's wondering if she should even have sex with Nathan. So I feel like Nikki's even dealing with questions about her life. And Keith and Karen are doing the same thing. So in a way, all those characters really aren't sure. Yeah, definitely. Like, the whole thing about the, th- that line you point out where it's like, I don't want you, I don't want you. It's not necessarily, like, talking about th- the you in question. It's necessarily a person. It can mean anything. Like, I don't want this life. But also, like, yeah. am I sure about it, you know? That's a good point. Yeah, but you did an excellent analysis pretty much for, like, the <laughs> entire episode. <laughs> Uh, um, but I mean, I mostly connected it to Nathan and Haley's situation. The line that particularly stuck out to me during the song is, when I'm like this, how can you be smiling, singing? How can you be sure? And I feel like that was just really like Nathan telling Haley, like, how can you be so happy with me? You know, because up to this point, Nathan hasn't necessarily been the best guy in the world, you know? Mm-hmm. So he's literally asking, Haley, like, how can you be sure about me? Like, how can you be sure that you love me? A- am I worth it? And it's, like, sort of like a self-doubt thing. And I kind of I really liked Nathan in this episode. <laughs> Which I was surprised, because at the beginning, I really didn't. And then toward the end, I was like, okay, like, I actually see this full circle happening. I'm liking it. You never actually see him feel vulnerable and i feel like you saw that you saw that in this episode yeah with the big bad sex issue mm-hmm. do you actually want to do you actually want to roll into the nathan and Haley since we're talking about yeah, it right sure. now cool beans just to kind of continue with nathan specifically he kind of in a way like at the end of the episode he kind of lets his guard down a little bit and shares like his true feelings for Haley. and it may have seemed like he was trying to pressure her to have sex but his intention wasn't to do that He wants to give her space, but he had to explain that. And I feel like you saw this vulnerable side to him that we haven't really seen before because I feel like with when he was with Peyton, the sex came easy and they weren't really thinking about like what the deeper meaning of it or anything. But with Haley, things are different. Yes, yes, yes. Um, And that actually brings up what um, uh, Peyton's conversation with Haley, because like, you know, Haley is just like wondering about like Nathan's previous relationship with Peyton. He's like, did Nathan ever cheat on you, et cetera, et cetera. And then, um, you know, Haley talks about her anxieties about having sex with him and whatnot. And Haley was like, I-, I love him so much. And then that's what Peyton says. Well, then you've gone further with him than I ever did. I like that scene, too. Oh, I loved it so much because it's like, it's really putting like a clear line between like love and sex. Like, I feel like a lot of people say like, you know, like, yo, uh, we got to go all the way, which means sex usually, especially amongst teenagers. But really, love, I feel like, is going all the way. Yeah. It really, really is. I would agree with that. Man, Peyton's pretty mature to be coming up with that realization <laughs> and sharing <laughs> that 
with Haley, you know? Exactly. And I feel like this show usually, and I've, I've said this in other episodes before, I'm pretty sure, but I feel like this episode really, like, puts sex on a higher pedestal. And I feel like this is the one episode where it's, like, saying, like, yo, sex really isn't that important. It's love that really matters here. And just... Just damn. And I love the I love you scene between Nathan and Haley so, so much. Yeah, so do I. I get chills over that every single fucking time. (laughs) It's so wonderful. Yeah, it's a really good scene. I feel like that scene was a really honest scene. Because they had a misunderstanding about, you know, Nathan pressuring Haley. And she perceived that he was pressuring her. And he felt like he was. and But... There was, like, that miscommunication, but then they resolved things and actually spoke truthfully about how they felt about each other and what sex means, and mm-hmm. it, it was a well-written scene. Yeah, and admittedly, when the episode began, I was not liking Nathan at all, because I was like, you know, he kept saying, like, yo, I just I just don't want to pressure you. I'm like, okay, then why are you giving her the cold shoulder? It seems like you're kind of, like, blackmailing her. Not necessarily blackmailing her, but... Well, yeah, let's just say blackmailing her and having sex. It's like, I don't want to pressure you, so I'm just not going to kiss you right now. Yeah, I didn't like that either. There there was a lot, but then by the end of the episode, you realize it's coming from a much deeper place. Mm-hmm. And so I end up liking like everything that led up to it. And then when you rewatch it, knowing what you know, it's much more impactful because you realize, like, oh, Nathan's just going through something here, you know? He, he just had a bad reaction to the tattoo. That's what set mm-hmm. it off. Like, he didn't have to ask her. He Why did, seeing the tattoo, why did he have to connect that to sex, you know? I get that he was freaking out because he was like, oh my gosh, like, she feels that deeply for me. She got a tattoo with my number. But, like, I don't know really why sex even came into that immediately. Yeah. (laughs) It was just a poor reaction on his part. Yeah, I think that mostly just, I mean, again, knowing what we know now about his reaction, I think it mostly just had to do with the fact that, um... He saw that this, when he saw the tattoo, he essentially realized, like, shit, I mean a lot to Haley. I mean a lot to her, the fact that she would get a tattoo on her ass. And there's that pressure now. Like, I mean so much to her, I don't want to screw this up. Yeah, exactly. And then I, I feel like um, prior to this relationship with Haley, I feel like sex was, like, the only thing he knew about relationships, you know? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. his relationship with Peyton was just, all it was was sex. That's all they did to show their affection for each other. And, and I feel like that's how, you know, when you have previous relationships like that, you start to think, like, oh, this is all I have to offer. Yeah. And and now I feel like now that Haley, the fact that Haley doesn't want to have sex with Nathan, Nathan's realized, like, wait a minute, like, I'm, I have more to offer now, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Oh, I like that. It's a lot. That's a really good point. Mm-hmm. So, go Nathan, I really like you in this episode. <laughs> I agree. I mean, I like that that final scene. His reactions prior to that, they make sense in the end. Yeah, totally. So, should we talk about the other big bad sex issue revolving around Brooke's pregnancy scare? I know, there was kind of a lot of big bad sex issues in this episode. Can, can I tell you, so much stuff happens and we were reading our recap, I'm like, realized, like, how long is this fucking recap? I know, I I thought the same thing, but, like, it had to be explained. <laughs> it really did, <laughs> but, like, and, and the funny thing is, like, plot-wise, not much happens. It's really, like, a lot of, like, about... Their inner feelings. It's not a lot of emotions, you know? Yeah, that's true. Personally, I guess because I have known the end result of this whole storyline with Brooke and Lucas, I've known it for Mm -hmm. years. (laughs) 
<laughs> so what, yeah. rewatching it now, I guess maybe I have different feelings, but I feel like it's just so cringeworthy to me. Oh, like I just, I just want to cringe the whole time because, like, I know that she thinks she honestly thinks she's pregnant, but then she lies later on, and it just makes me cringe. Which, by the way, I gotta <laughs> call myself out. Um, in the in the previous episode, which we recorded with Jenna, I mentioned that like, oh. Brooke didn't necessarily confirm that she was pregnant. She just confirmed, like, the baby is Lucas's. But when she actually does answer the phone, she does say, it's the doctor. So she does seemingly confirm that she is pregnant right there. Oh, yeah. After Lucas slot shames her. So, like, I, I didn't realize that happened, so I wanted to give you an apology on that. Why are you giving me an apology? Because I was, like, really, I, I was really, like, um, adamant that, like, no, she doesn't confirm that she is pregnant. I want to make that very, very clear. I'm calling myself out. <laughs> it's you all, know, it's all I'm good. just saying, I, I make mistakes, and I am just, you know, giving myself that criticism. She con- <laughs> she confirms it, but it's vague, and she walks away. So then you don't get really any more clarity from that. <laughs> Yeah, but I didn't realize that Lucas knew she was talking to the doctor right there. Yeah. I thought he just came to the assumptions originally. Yeah. And then I realized, and then when I rewatched it, I'm like, oh, she does say she's talking to the doctor. So she does, she doesn't confirm it necessarily, but she does seem to confirm it, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, tell me a little bit more about it being cringe on your ass. It's just, I don't know. It's like, of course she thinks she's pregnant at this moment. I feel like the storyline, personally, I feel like it's forced into this this episode. Really? It's only a storyline that lasts for this whole episode, and I feel like I've seen this storyline before, but maybe that's not a criticism on One Tree Hill specifically, but... Before in, like, other shows, you mean? It's just a predictable... Yeah, it's just, like, a predictable storyline that... Okay. You know, they're not together anymore. She thinks she's pregnant. I mean, I guess it's realistic. It could happen <laughs> mm-hmm. to anyone, but... I, I feel like it's predictable what's going to happen in the end, and I didn't like the fact that Brooke lied, but I, I get why she was mad in the moment, but that lie, like, made Lucas have to then go tell his mom, which is very cringeworthy to me. Like, I just cannot imagine, because she was a teen, you know, she was preg- yeah. pregnant as a teen, so it just has even more weight for then Lucas to have to go tell his mom that, but at that point, if Brooke was truthful, he wouldn't have had to do that. Yeah, definitely. So that's probably the bigger part that that makes it cringeworthy. Yeah, and I, I gotta say, um, again, in the previous episode, I really defended Brooke, and you know, rewatch it now, I'm like, uh, now not necessarily so much. I do understand like why she why she was angry in the moment. I know, but when I I watched this episode twice, and they basically were slut shaming each other. Real? Okay, tell me how tell me how Brooke was slut shaming Lucas. Cuz Brooke said was accusing Lucas of hanging out with bar sluts. <laughs> You're right. Uh, wow. And then Lucas just is like, "Well, how do I know it's even mine?" So they basically were doing it to each other. I, I gotcha, but I also feel like there's a little bit more um see like especially society especially back then and I feel like it still continues today. Like women are usually um, looked down on more for sleeping around than men are. Um, not that that's terrible. Like I'm not like condoning that whatsoever. Oh, for sure. And and I feel like um I feel like Brooke could have been like internalizing a lot of those feelings right there. Like maybe she thinks like yeah, like I sleep around, I am a quote unquote slut. You know. Mm-hmm. 
So I feel like, you know, her, like the way she treated Lucas wasn't necessarily the same thing, but I, I do see it now that you point that out. Yeah. But I feel like from like a societal perspective, she wasn't necessarily doing that. And I feel like that's why like I completely bypass it, honestly. I, that's, yeah. So I didn't really catch it the first time I watched it. And then I realized, oh gosh, Lucas is slut shaming her. Like it's terrible. He's accusing her of sleeping around, even though basically mm-hmm. she was with him for a while. So like she wasn't doing that. Right. And, <laughs> you know, he's asking if it's even his. The second time I watched it, though, like, she's saying basically the same thing to him that he, I guess she wasn't really saying that he was sleeping around with multiple people, but he was hanging out with this random bar slut or whatever. <laughs> whatever her specific quote was. So, <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like in the heat of the moment, they were both saying things that really weren't appropriate. Right, right, Yeah. Wow, I wasn't even thinking about that. To be honest with you, they were, they were, they were definitely egging each other on. Yeah, they they definitely were. I don't want to give like credit to Lucas, but like I don't know, I got to call it how I see it, and that's how I see it. Yeah, like Lucas deserved it. Like, there's there's a lot here. I don't know how I feel about it now that you bring that up. You know, I know, and like even he did say that to her, and I get the heat of the moment, but like she didn't have to confirm one way or another in that moment. Then just say. Yeah. Oh, it's not the doctor. It's just walk away and then tell him later on if you're like not in the mood to reveal that information. But to lie to him, that's wrong. I don't know how you could oof, live with yourself. Yeah. Because that causes him to go to talk to his mom. And he never had to go do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. It's the worst conversation. I feel like she wanted to guilt trip him a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's really what it came down to. And- I feel like one of the only, one big reason why I have space for Brooke is that throughout the episode, you can see that she is feeling a little bit guilty about lying to him. Yeah. Because you see that when she starts to walk up to Peyton, and she tries to have the conversation with her before she runs away because she starts to come to the conclusions that Lucas and Peyton are together and whatnot. She starts to talk to Peyton and she's like, hey, listen, like, there's a lot of things going on right now. And I feel like right then and there, she was going to tell Peyton, like, hey, um... I told Lucas I was pregnant. I lied. Uh, What do I do now? So she does feel remorse for her actions. Yeah, she definitely was about to tell Peyton, I think. I think you're right about that. I feel like that's why I have a little bit of space for her, because she's like, hey, she was really angry. She, I don't even know, like, the time frame of this episode. Like, what is it? Like, over the course of, like, two days, three days? Yeah, it's not much. Yeah, but you see her remorse throughout it, and then that's when she ends up coming clean at the ends. When she said she wasn't pregnant and she cries. And you know I love a good Sophia Bush crying uh-huh. scene. Oh my god. I mean, how could she continue to lie when Lucas is bearing his soul, basically, saying that he'll do everything he can to support her and the baby, you know? I really love that scene. I think um, Sean Michael Murray's acting in that particular scene was very, very wonderful. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> his... I did not like his acting during his scene with Karen. Like, I don't know. There was just something about his crying that didn't seem genuine to me. I'm sorry, Chad. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I was just like, you're not going to win any awards for this performance, honestly. But then later on, the whole thing with Brooke, I'm like, this is a great performance. I gotta say, Lucas was really great with a crisis on this one. Yeah, he was. I mean, he reacted other than the one, you know, fight. He he was supportive the whole time. Yeah. He said it from the get-go, like... The first thing, when she initially told him, let's go get a test and, you know, wait for the results together, that's a very nice thing to do. And then went to the clinic, 
and kept saying, you know, like, he's here to help. He wasn't going to do the shitty thing like Dan did. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> by the way, speaking of, like, you know, that conversation where, like, get the, where they go to the drugstore, get the pregnancy test, and they're like, okay, we'll go to the clinic in the morning. Do we realize this is all happening the night, like, right after the boy toy auction? Uh-huh. <laughs> so this is this is all taking place after midnight. So they go to the clinic before, and, and they go to school the next morning. We know that. So, like, okay, for one, the, the boy toy auction is on a school night. Why? <laughs> Why is that on a school night? Um, <laughs> Keeping the kids out till midnight for this, like, school event and whatnot. Why? And then they go to the clinic right before school? Like, how much sleep did these people get, honestly? Unless they shut out the school late which could be valid but i we oh. we cannot make sense of one tree hill storylines <laughs> and time frames of oh i had to like rewind a little bit because i'm like what what is this time frame and i'm like okay like it, it does it makes sense it's just but at the same time it it really doesn't <laughs> you would think that would have been that boy toy auction would have been on a friday or saturday like yeah <laughs> I'm just saying, Tree Hill, like, you know, keep those events on the weekends. Make it responsible. Damn. Oh, jeez. Kids have homework. <laughs> I I don't know. And, oh, one other thing I, that's kind of related, kind of not. We already touched on Haley and Nathan. But speaking of the timelines, I'm glad that the whole Peyton and Nathan kiss was, like, it was shot down right away. Like, they didn't make that into a big thing. They just yeah. resolved it and moved on. Okay. Um. I, so I'm also going to backpedal on something else I said in the previous episode. I mean, we we all sort of agreed on this, too. We all said, Lucas is so stupid, like, jumping the conclusions and whatnot. And I still feel that way. <laughs> but the way he confronted Nathan, I feel like I kind of liked it in this episode because Lucas was stressed out about, about a bunch of other things, and he was essentially taking it out on Nathan mm-hmm. and Peyton. So I kind of liked that um that confrontation with Nathan being positioned in this episode because Nathan even asked, like, what are you so tweaked out about, man? Yeah. So it's like a genuine reaction from Nathan because he's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it was the boy toy auction rules. Like, that's what it was. Yeah, I, I kind of like it being placed in this episode. As of the last episode, though, I still it still doesn't make sense why he would jump the conclusions. But in this one, him confronting Nathan the way he did, it makes sense. I kind of like it, and I almost wish she saw the kiss between um between Peyton and Nathan after he got the after he had that conversation with Brooke that she might be pregnant. But I, I, granted, I don't know like how they could have reworked that timeline, but. I always wish it was like that, so it would be like, it would put Lucas on edge after everything going on. Oh, I see what you mean. I understand why the storyline had to work the way it did, of course. I'm glad they didn't drag it out. I'm glad they squelched (laughs) it basically right away and said, you know, like, this wasn't anything. Yeah, totally. Because they made it seem, like, in 118, they made it seem like it was going to be like, oh, no, this big thing. (laughs) Peyton is, you know wrecking nathan and Haley's relationship because of this kiss and they they didn't make it into a thing which was surprising but i'm glad they did it totally yeah but shall we move on to uh, talking about (laughs) one of the pieces of news that lucas received from dan during all this drama unbelievable (laughs) unbelievable so dan confesses that 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 he asked karen to get an abortion so, yeah, Dan finds out that, yeah, Brooke's pregnant and he confronts Lucas about it and is trying to give him advice. 
saying, hey, do what I was trying to do years ago, get an abortion, which is really, I cannot believe you would say that to your son. I think you should at least like, I mean, yeah, like don't say that like, hey, like I wanted you to get the, I wanted you to get aborted. I feel like that's kind of fucking wrong. Why did he have to connect it to the past? He could have said, (laughs) hey, here are your options. You can go get an abortion. But connecting it to the past makes it this really (laughs) personal attack, basically. Mm hmm. Yeah. And <laughs> it's, I don't, I don't even know what to say, honestly. It, it is very cringe to say it. I, I do like, you know, like you said, I do like that he presented it as an option because it should be presented as an option, but. The way he framed it was wrong. Yeah. Basically, I'm just repeating everything you just said. Why'd you have to connect this to the past? It could have been different. It was like, it was an option that we explored, me and Karen, but then I'll be like, hey, I wanted you aborted. Uh Uh-huh. It's, oh, that's another thing that just makes this episode cringeworthy. Mm -hmm. But later on, when Lucas goes to see Dan, and after, like, Dan had come to him first, and then later on, Lucas went back to Dan. And Dan said something to him that I thought was interesting. He said, it's easy to have all the answers from a distance. I thought that was rather wise. Yeah. Because, like, Lucas was offended by what Dan said. Mm Mm-hmm. But Dan's trying to show him that there's so many sides to the story in this decision. You know, maybe he wanted to have an abortion long ago with Karen. He has, like, reasoning behind that, you know, wanting that. And he basically is trying to tell Lucas, like, it's not so easy once you're in those shoes. Yeah. You you could say that you're, you would do one thing, but if you're in those shoes, you might do something different. Mm-hmm. And it just shows that, like... You know, Lucas doesn't tell Brooke to get an abortion either, but he also doesn't tell Brooke to keep the child either. He literally says, I'm here for whatever you decide. So it wasn't necessarily taking a pro-choice or an anti-choice no, like, no. direction in this one. It was literally, I mean, it is taking, it is taking a pro-choice, I should say. It wasn't taking a pro-abortion versus an anti-choice um, direction. It was literally just like, hey, like, I'm here for whatever you decide to do. And I really like that. Yeah. And I feel like this show is very, th- this show can be anti-choice a lot in future episodes, which I won't spoil. But I really like the direction this storyline went in, you know? I do. I like that reaction. To, I like Lucas's reaction to the whole thing. Totally, yeah. But I, I just, yeah, I just wanted to bring up that Dan quote because I, I found that to be kind of just wise advice in general. Like, basically the answer, no matter, it's just not easy to make that decision, you know? Right. Let's not give Dan too much credit, though, because in that same oh, scene- Oh, I'm not giving him credit. I, I'm yeah. not giving him credit at all. I hope I wasn't conveying that. No, no, no. I just want to point out another quote that he says. He also says, you're going to be paying for it until the day you die. It's like, come on. And for one thing, like, I don't really like that Dan is even saying that, because it's like, you're not paying for it right now. You're not involved in Lucas's life. Yeah, what has he had to pay for? <laughs> exactly like he doesn't even give child support you're not involved in his life at all i mean the only thing i can kind of connect that to so at the end of the episode we see that um dan is looking through a like a little memory box and then he pulls out like old photos of lucas some newspaper clippings of lucas so i guess you could say yeah he is paying for it he is currently paying for it with all these memories but i just feel like it didn't really like come across in that scene we're at the point where we, we don't know what Dan is truly feeling. There are so many conflicting feelings. 
here. Like he's, like you said, sorting through the memories and seeing what he's missed throughout his life. But at the same time, he's telling Lucas that he wanted to get an abortion. So it's like, what do you feel? What do you feel? (laughs) Honestly, he is such a conflicted guy. And, oh, you kind of have to feel bad. And like, he's a villain, obviously, but you kind of have to feel bad in a way. Like, you're this confused. You know, you you are this terrible of a person that you're going to treat your son like that, who you abandon? Yeah. Who you actually seem to have some type of feelings for as well. I know. And why <laughs> why hold that back? I think it's just easier. I know. I guess at this point it's too far gone, or at least he feels that way. And it probably is. Sometimes it is easier than just than just telling people how you feel. You know, it's just easier to be a complete, sh- a completely shitty person than it is to be a good person and show your love for other humans and to be vulnerable. Yeah, I guess you're right. I feel like this episode is like a therapy session. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> We're talking a lot about like the human condition. <laughs> we really are. I'm into it. I'm like, I just wasn't expecting that to happen today. I mean, uh, I, we are going to get into Dan as the series continues. He's one of the more interesting no. characters to talk about, so I, I can't wait. And yeah, I really can't wait to really dive into his psyche because, you know, I, I just want to see like how my opinions have evolved, mm-hmm. really. Because as you can see, my opinions have evolved between, you know, episode 18 and episode 19 because I've changed my mind about a lot of things, you know? <laughs> So. Yeah, you gotta talk it out. That's why we have the podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, well, speaking of conflicted feelings, let's talk about Keith and Karen. Oh my gosh. Ugh. I mean, I know what we said in 118 is like, why in the world are you proposing to Karen? You're not even dating. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, you feel bad that she says no, but, like, I understand why she says no. Mm-hmm. I really like the thing that she brought up where she said that, like, you know, um, before I left for Italy, I was just Lucas's mom. And then, then I went to Italy and I essentially saw the world and I realized there were other things out there, you know? And I feel like that's like a really valid thing. Like, you realize like, oh shit, like there's this whole world out there for me. I need to figure out who I am. You know, I'm not in this little tree hill bubble anymore. Karen had a wake up call. Totally, yeah. And let me just give this, like, one piece of dating advice right here, okay? Never, ever begin a relationship or start to spark a relationship right before you go on a big trip or right before, like, you know, some, like, big, like, life event or something like that, because you never know what could happen. (laughs) I'm like, all I'm saying is that, Karen, you could have waited to kiss Keith until you came back from Italy, if you were still feeling that way, obviously. You know? (laughs) And a lot happened. She was able to kind of find herself or start to find herself in Italy. And then the whole accident happened when she got back. So, so much has changed. And Mm -hmm. I think it's just so out of the blue, really, that Keith would do this. And I know Keith has had these feelings all these years. So it doesn't feel like it's out of the blue for him. Yeah. But it is out of the blue for Karen. Right. And he's not, I don't feel like he really understood that. Mm -hmm. And she did kiss him. So I guess like, you know, it was as far as the moment then. Like, she's like, realized, like, I do want to be with Keith. And then she spent six weeks in Italy. And then she realizes, like, maybe not necessarily. And I know we blame the, a lot of, like, their, um, their quote unquote breakup on the fact that Keith was drinking and that Karen was giving him a hard time. But I feel like it was, it was just a combination of a bunch of things. I think it was the trip to Italy and the, the whole accident. Yeah. I wonder if the accident didn't happen. 
what the storyline would have been. Yeah. It was overall it was just a combination of a bunch of different things right there. So like I have a little bit more space for Karen nowadays. I was I feel like we were giving her a hard time. And now I'm like, Karen, I got you. But also, next time you go on a big six week trip, do not kiss a guy. Do not kiss the guy. <laughs> Probably not a good idea. Back in college, I was starting I was starting a relationship with this guy. And it was like right before Christmas break. And we were like, like, oh yeah, this is gonna be great. And then like Christmas break happens, and then you know, you never see each other because like you know, you're not like yeah. you're not in college together anymore. And then like basically like it, it all fizzled out over Christmas break because it's like, okay, well, guess that's not that's not gonna work out, you know? <laughs> so I mean, granted that's one isolated experience, but like I don't know, I felt really I related that a lot to like what Karen was doing here, you know. I mean it was a similar time frame because winter breaks in college were like a month and this trip was yeah. six weeks. So Exactly. <laughs> so I'm just saying, like, think about timing. You know, Karen. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho. I guess both of their timing was off. Keith and Karen. Totally. But now Keith, now he's going to move. He's going to move away from Tree Hill. I know. So he, yeah, they both got a wake-up call in a way. Yeah. And that's when he realized, like, hey, your whole world isn't necessarily limited to this little bubble. Because, I mean, you, you got to think about, like, not just, I mean, you know, we talk a lot about, like, Dan and Deb and Karen's situation. But, like, you know, even Keith is embroiled on all this, too, because... He was on the sidelines the whole time. Yeah, like, right after high school, he says, like, I'm going to sit and buy Karen. And, like, you know, when you're when you're a kid and then you have to, you're forcing yourself to grow up and you're basically forcing yourself to live in this little bubble, you know? Yeah. And he he just stayed in that Tree Hill bubble. And I mean, he was pining for Karen all those years and basically helping raise Lucas in a way. So he was part, he was part of that whole dynamic. And now he needs to branch out and try something new for himself for once because he was basically, you know, helping Karen and, and Lucas this whole time. Mm-hmm. And hopefully he finds something good. Maybe he'll be able to find himself, too. Yeah. I mean, we know. We know. What comes of the storyline, but... <laughs> we're gonna act like we have no idea. Wonder what happens? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so before we get into deep into that territory, should we talk about Jake, Nikki, Peyton, Jenny, everything going on there? I guess Nikki's just sticking around. The scene at the end where she's, like, creeping into the window, that was creepy. I was like, <laughs> yo, like, I was <laughs> I was into it because, like, I don't know, like, I like a good, like, horror movie type trope. Yeah, you thought this was going to turn into a horror show? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Granted, it it doesn't really. I'm not. It doesn't really go in that direction. I don't think really. But I mean, later in the series, not with Nikki, but <laughs> there's definitely some horror stuff yes. going on. <laughs> no, no. And I'm spoilers. very excited to get to that stuff. <laughs> um. Oh, one like little funny thing I sh- I want to mention, and it it was funny. Like I already had this in my notes, but then our listener Jenna, not to be confused with Jenna from the previous episode. I know. Um, I know that's gonna confusing. <laughs> Two separate Jennas here. Um, but anyway, Jenna wrote to us on Twitter. And they said, did you see the bad Photoshop job with Lucas's face on the basketball photo? Did you notice that, Caitlin? Because I definitely did. It made me laugh <laughs> I so hard. I didn't notice it. 
Oh my god. So Nikki picks up the photo of the basketball team and she sees <laughs> she she sees Lucas's face. <laughs> I can't even get it out. It's such a bad Photoshop job. You can tell Chad Michael Murray's face is just like plastered on there. It looks so bad. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to go look it up now. <laughs> oh my I just <laughs> The entire time I was looking at it, I was like, they couldn't just take a photo. I guess they like they had to rush through. And they're like, oh god, how is Nikki going to make the connection that Lucas and Jake know each other? Oh shit, we got to do this photo. Oh, it's, it's too so funny. bad, Caitlin. It's so so bad. Oh my That's god, hilarious. Okay. So then Nikki shows up at Lucas's door, and well, that's a shock for Lucas. Yeah, then that's when Lucas realized, I was like, oh shit, like, I, I didn't know you were you, you know? He had no idea, so he really can't be blamed. And neither can she, you know, it was just an accidental connection. Yeah, n- neither of them were in the wrong. And I think, like, you know, Jake is a Jake is a decent person, I really don't think he would hold that against Lucas. Especially if neither of them even knew. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... I don't know, that, that's a whole thing, like, it, it's trying to make drama out of something that isn't, you know? It sure is. If anything, I feel like it would be like, oh, wh- wow, that's interesting. <laughs> it would be like a little bit of a shocker, I think, when you're, you know, Jake realizes that, but at the same time, it's... Jake's never said, um, his ex's name. Yeah. You know, so Lucas could never have made that connection when he met Ni- Nikki. Yeah. So, and even if it was, there could be even another if his Nikki. His name was Nikki too. It could be another Nikki. Yeah, <laughs> you just said that. It could have been another Nikki. <laughs> but yeah, I really liked um, how she came to Lucas though, and she says, "You know how you told me about your dad and how you felt about him. I never want Jenny to say the same thing about me." And I was like, mm, she's showing a little bit of vulnerability here. I like it. But that's the only sign of vulnerability she shows. Because, damn, she is just evil to Peyton when she confronts her. I know. It's like Peyton's just babysitting. And that's what that's what Jake <laughs> says, you know? Yeah. Like, she literally just, like, sits down next to her. And she's like, Jake and I won't be needing you anymore. Don't get too attached. You're temporary. I'm like, you don't even know this girl, Nikki. <laughs> What's going on here? Yeah, she... Her personality is, it seems like it's rather vindictive. And then that's what Peyton says. <laughs> well, all the eyeliner in the world won't make you anything than a psycho stalker bitch. <laughs> Hence your intro. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I, I was literally thinking, I, I don't know. Um, I like the soap opera aspect of it, of like the whole cat fight thing, which I know is like problematic seeing like women compete against each other. But like at the, at the same time, like, I'm always a sucker for that sort of shit in soap <laughs> operas. What can I say? And <laughs> I did enjoy it, but like from a realistic point of view, I'm like, damn, did you really have to come for her like that? Yeah, why? Once again, why are you stalking Peyton at her school? <laughs> How about you work on getting Jake's trust instead of worrying about Peyton the babysitter? Yeah, w- why was she at the school for? There's no reason. She was just <laughs> looking for Peyton. Which, uh, huh. I don't think there was any other reason, because that's all they showed. Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, it would have made, made more sense if she ended up finding Jake for some reason, but she literally did go there to confront Peyton. Like, what the fuck? It's wild. Oh, jeez. Wow. <laughs> but 
Let's talk about this wonderful, wonderful coda at the end of the episode. So the song that plays is Everybody Hurts, which is a cover of an R.E.M. song, but this one is performed by Dashboard Confessional, which, by the way, if you watch it on Hulu with subtitles, Hulu lies. Hulu lies? Yeah, Hulu says that it's R.E.M. song, Uh. which it is. It is, technically, but this is Dashboard Confessional's cover of it, so just wanted to point that out. That's funny. I never watch subtitles, so... (laughs) Anyway, um, but Jordan Escoda... What? Do you want me to read the bullets? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go, go. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to give you a break. <laughs> <laughs> so we see Dan looking through the lockbox, which we mentioned before. We see all the different news- newspaper clippings from Lucas when he was younger and he wins MVP. So that kind of gives you like that emotional undertone to Dan. Because basically he was mm-hmm. evil this whole episode. We yep. also see Nikki, who's spying on... Jake, Peyton, and Jenny. How creepy. <laughs> this horror movie, though. But it's... I love how we're, like, laughing about it. It's, like, it's really not funny. But it, the tone of it was meant to really show, like, what she's missing out on. You know? Her family. You think... So? You didn't think there was a dark under... I guess both can be true. I mean, maybe. I think it was really more so showing, like, she's missing out. Yeah, that definitely could have been the intention, I think. Then we see Keith walking into a pawn shop to sell his engagement ring, which is really sad. Brooke's crying for uh, for obvious reasons. My girl, my girl. And Lucas tells Karen that Brooke's not pregnant. So we had a lot going on in this coda, as per usual, <laughs> with One Tree Hill. I know. <laughs> it is... Yeah, it was wonderful. It, everybody hurts. It's literally about a bunch of people hurting. In different ways, you know? All different circumstances. Very on the nose. Um, I liked it. I liked it too. I mean, I always love the CODAs, so... Yes, and we're gonna get in some good ones too. Oh yeah, for sure. As we approach the end of the season, and as we continue through the series... So should we move on to our favorite moments? Yes, please. What was your favorite quote, Jeremy? Um, I really did like the line where Peyton says, all the eyeliner in the world won't make you anything than a psycho stalker bitch. <laughs> but my um, favorite line is when she's talking to Haley about, um, about her relationship with Nathan and says, well, then you've gone further with him than I ever did. It was such a blink and you'll miss it quote. Yeah, it was. But it really resonated with me. I really like the message behind it. I thought it was absolutely beautiful. I really like that one too. Um, but my favorite was what Keith said to Karen when they were in that cafe at the end talking. He says, by saying no to me, you woke me up. And Aww. it's like a really simple quote, but it's sad. But at the same way, it, it just shows like how someone's decision like to say no in that moment woke him up and made him realize like, how he wants to move on with his life. So I found that to be like a powerful moment. It was just plain sad too. Totally. It just kind of gave, it gave me all the feels. Yes. It really did. But poor Keith. Poor Keith. (laughs) At the same time. I feel like, you know, that this is like one of those things where we can feel for like both Keith and Karen in this situation. Like neither one of them is in the wrong at all. No, they both are entitled to their feelings. For sure. Mm-hmm. And I always love that. I always love when, like, you know, there's, like, a breakup in a relationship or, I mean, granted that we know, well, they do have a relationship still, even though it's not a romantic relationship, but, you know, all this weirdness is going on and you can actually feel for both sides of this. Yeah. I always love that because I feel like usually it's, like, you feel for the one person over the other. I do, too, because it just, 
don't know. It's more of like a, a nuanced, real conversation. Like, mm-hmm. what could actually happen? Like, both people aren't always wrong, you know? They right. have their reasons. And also, like, with that quote, it was just like this one action was enough to wake up Keith to want to change his life. And it just makes me think about, like, how those little moments, in this case, it was a big moment in his life, right? Getting, <laughs> you know, rejected. But it can change, it can right. basically change the outcome of your life because you go down a different path than you initially thought. Totally. What about your musical moment, Jeremy? I enjoyed the song Heaven by Fire Thefts, which played during the scene where Nathan and Haley say, I love you. Same. <laughs> and oh, yay! <laughs> I, so me particularly, I like the placement of the lyrics where the lyrics are, are you really waiting outside the door? Never thought I'd hear the words before. And then that's what Haley says. I love you too. And I was just like, this is so perfect. I love it. Yeah, it was really cute. And I love how they say, well, this is what Nathan says to Haley. I love you, Haley. And it scares me a little bit, but there it is. And then Haley pauses and she also says, there it is. And it was just like this moment of realization that you could see and hear. And I thought that was cute. I just like how they wrote that scene. So beautiful. Oh, my God. But overall, what was your rating for the episode? So I feel like we had this really awesome conversation tonight. (laughs) And my rating, like, I'm kind of on the fence on my rating. Me too. I have my own reasons like, for can it. Can I rate the episode going. and then rate our conversation? <laughs> <laughs> our conversation, 12 out of 5. <laughs> yep, basically. So I'll just share what I initially wrote. Because I said a lot of it was cringeworthy to me. It's not my favorite episode. It's not one of my favorites in season one. So I gave it a 3 out of 5 slaps in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I, I thought it was just okay. I, I think our discussion delving into the different relationships and like you said, the human condition. <laughs> <laughs> that was, re- it's rather compelling. There's some compelling storylines for sure once, once we started to dig into it. But overall, I feel like the episode, it's just okay. I mean, I wasn't mm-hmm. a huge fan of the pregnancy storyline, but I see why they had to include it. Because it just connects to the past, basically. Yeah. And that's what the show does, especially in season one. It's constantly, like, revolving around the past with with Karen and, and Dan and connecting it to, like, what's going on in the present. So I, I see it, but I'm not a huge fan of the storyline, I guess. Yeah. I, see, like, I... Uh... I liked some of the story. I actually liked the pregnancy scare storyline, believe it or not. But see, like, I- I'm I'm between two scores, and I'm really confused on like where which- where I want to go in this direction. Um, I would give a half score, but I do not allow half scores on I this know, podcast. That was shot down <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> so, um, are you between a three and four? I am, yes. And l- let me tell you why. I feel like. They're they're trying. I feel like Karen Usher was trying to do something with this episode, and I feel like she was inundated with a lot of complications because, like, okay, yeah, she had to, you know, she was trying to do a theme, 
but she also had to continue a bunch of other storylines too. So there was like a lot of pressure on her mm-hmm. to like to keep a lot of storylines moving forward. So overall, like the storyline with Brooke and Lucas and the storyline with Nathan and Haley, I like those storylines existing next to each other. Like the whole idea about like, you know, sex and like what it can mean for a relationship and like the repercussions and everything. I feel like those two storylines, if it was just those two storylines for the episode, it would be a five out of five for me. And it's like, it's great. It's yeah. It's just a perfect summary of like an episode trying to achieve something. But then everything else was thrown in. Yeah. I, I just feel like the message gets hindered a little bit. Name, I, I mean, I feel like we could all, we could do the whole thing. Like, how can you be sure? Like it's going along with that theme too. Like we, you know, the whole Karen and Keith thing kind of deals with that whole aspect. Yeah. Um, there's actually one part of this episode we didn't even really talk about. Um, Nathan's money issues. Oh. And how, like, and he's talking to, like, um, Deb and Dan and and everything like that. And I feel like that really hurts the theme, too, because it's like, okay, like, what does this have to do with the whole idea of the episode? So, that's where I'm like, I'm between a three and a four. I feel like it's four out of five because it is a solid episode. Can we just agree we'll do a half score for this one since we're both in agreement that it's between a three and four? Because that's what I was between, too. No, I'm gonna. I'm actually going to give it a three. A three out of five pregnancy scares. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still shutting down. I'm even keeping myself accountable, Caitlin, okay? 3.5, 3.5, 3.5. No, th- I'm giving it three out of five pregnancy scares just because I feel like the episode could have been better. It could have been, yeah. I agree with you. The whole Nathan, Deb, and Dan conflict about the money and the apartment why did that need to be it wasn't really related to the theme because like there was like you said there was a theme about relationships Mm -hmm. and sex for the most part um hmm, that's a valid point i feel like it should have just i feel like the episode should have been like it could have been like a bottle episode you know, with it's just, like, just Brooke and Lucas, and then Nathan and Haley, and it's just, like, you know, them, like, flashing back and forth between, like, how they're dealing with their current situation. Unfortunately, the episode didn't turn into that, but it, but again, like, like I said, the, you know, the, the writer may want to achieve something here, but then they also have the pressure of, like, moving other storylines forward, so I feel like, is that really Karen Osher's fault? Fuck it, I'm gonna give it a four out of five. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give it a four out of four out of five pregnancy scares just because of Karen Ostrich's hands. And we are keeping your whole dialogue in there, by the way. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> of me not sounding like a human being at all. <laughs> Jeremy, just fucking make up your minds. All the listeners are saying. <laughs> all right. What an episode, though. Honestly. Totally. Always and Forever is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AlwaysOTHpod. You can also email us at AlwaysOTHpod at gmail.com. That's always O-T-H-P-O-D. You can follow Jeremy Rodriguez on Twitter at Rodriguez Jeremy. You can follow Caitlin Illinich on Twitter at Miss I Reads. Outside of following our socials, the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That helps One Tree Hill fans, new and old, find us. Now, if you don't want future episodes of One Tree Hill to be spoiled for you, now is the time to turn this podcast off. Otherwise, stay tuned for the spoiler segment after the music ends. We'll We'll be be seeing seeing you. Welcome to the spoiler segment of Always and Forever. 
This is your final reminder to turn this podcast off if you do not want spoilers. Wow. Wow is right. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we had quite the deep conversation. I know. I don't don't feel like I have many spoilers to talk about. Yeah, honestly, not me neither. It's so as we record this, like Caitlin and I haven't recorded an episode in a month and a half. <laughs> I think we were refreshed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, honestly, I was kind of worried. I'm like, oh god, we, we may be a little bit off during this session. But like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm just saying, like, this was a great episode. I'm not gonna like, you know, pat ourselves on the back too much in case the listeners think it sucks. But I just think we we did a great job. Especially you, Caitlin. Five out of five. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I really liked a lot of what you had to say, personally. Well, thank you. I I liked your insights as well. Thank you. I, I feel like you were very insightful, especially during the psalm. Thank you very much. Uh, wow. I think it connected. I really did connect. Yeah, totally. But okay, but this is a good, the spoiler segment is not supposed to be a compliment <laughs> war. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, the, the only th- the only note that we have is um, teen pregnancies on this show. Like, let's talk a little bit about that because okay, this episode is very realistic in its depiction. I think later on, where Haley gets pregnant, not so much. No, and especially going back <laughs> to the time frame of Winter Hill, I don't even think she could have physically been pregnant in that time period. <laughs> she definitely, she definitely gets um has has the baby like six months later or something like that. Yeah, because <laughs> three and four are one year, but she doesn't get pregnant until four. Until the end of three. Is it the end of three? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's the end of three. She knows, but still, it was just like yeah, six months. <laughs> and also, can we talk about um Jamie's birthday too? So as we see at the end of season four. Haley gives birth at the end of high school senior year, so it's June, right? Yeah. But then the following season, we see Jamie's birthday, and his birthday is celebrated during basketball season. Oh my gosh, you're right. <laughs> Why did the writers do this to themselves? Come on, there's so many plot holes. <laughs> it's very, very flawed. <laughs> and remember when... Haley's having the baby and she's giving the commencement high school commencement speech. Yeah. And her water breaks. Like yeah. how dramatic. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have more, but I think I'm having my baby. <laughs> that was a great moment though. I you know, it just doesn't like I obviously, you know, anyone could get pregnant, but it just never would have guessed that Haley would have gotten pregnant. Yeah. That her character would have gotten pregnant as a teenager. I really absolutely love that reveal, though, because early in season four, you're led to believe that Brooke is the one who's pregnant. Once again. (laughs) But, you know, they even, like, they try to make you believe, oh, Brooke's pregnant, and then it's, like, realized, like, oh, it's a misdirect. It's actually Haley who's pregnant. Oh, my God, that episode. I remember being absolutely shocked because I thought for sure that Brooke would be the one who was pregnant. And then it's like, what? Haley's pregnant? I know. It's just wild. (laughs) But we also got to admit, though, that that was not a typical teen pregnancy. She's married, living in her own apartment. I, oh my God. She has a singing career already. 
<laughs> like, it's just wild. It's absolutely wild. But that's how we get to the good One Tree Hill stuff. <laughs> when it it's gets so wild. Good. It's so unrealistic and so fake. But, like, that's what's so great about it, I think. Like, and I, I gotta be honest, too. Like, the episode after she reveals that she's pregnant, and then Karen finds out, right? But um, Karen hugs Haley, and then, like, you know, and, and Haley's, like, a little bit sad because of everything going on. And then Karen says, welcome to my history, Haley James Scott. And I'm like, Karen, this is nothing like your history. <laughs> it's nothing like it at all. Okay? No. Because Karen wasn't married. Yeah, Haley has it much easier than you do, and I, I know like um Nathan and Haley were having like some issues at that point too because you know Nathan just got accepted to college. It's it's a whole thing. I get it, but come on, like <laughs> it's so fake. And just think about like how that storyline progresses too. And I'm not saying people can't do these things, but the likelihood of it getting pregnant as a teen. And then both of them are going off to college together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nathan's starting a basketball career. I mean, they're still very young. Right. And Haley's still finishing her schooling. I'm not saying it can't be done, but it's just like, wow, the, the odds are against <laughs> you. <laughs> totally, yeah. And I, Only in One Tree Hill would it seem like it's that easy. I know Lucas was helping during college, like with the baby too, I'm pretty sure. I think they insinuated right. that he was helping with that, them. And live, maybe even living with them? I don't know. Uh, who knows, honestly? Who knows what happened during that time period? They kind of skip over that time period. <laughs> yeah. But how did both of them attend college full-time while raising a baby? Yeah, you could definitely do college, but both both of you full-time? <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Like, I can understand, like, you know, if they were taking classes, like, you know, you know, taking their time with college and raising a baby. Like, I feel like, okay, like, realistic, I can, I can deal with this. But but by the time we get to season five, which is four years, six months, and two days or whatever later, we we know they're both graduated from college. Well, actually, hmm, let me, let me back myself up on that. Haley definitely graduated college. Nathan did not. Yeah, he didn't, because remember, he finished his degree later on. Yes. But... He started his career, which is demanding in itself. And then he ended up getting injured and whatnot. When did his injury occur? I don't know exactly. Because he definitely, like, because it's not like, you know, like, oh, like, Nathan was taking care of Jamie while Haley was going to classes full time. Because, like, I don't think Nathan was even fit to, like, take, take care of a child at that point. Like, ment- like both mentally and emotionally. <laughs> you know? No. I can't remember the time frame in terms of college. I feel like it must have been the end of it. For Haley, at least. And then Nathan had already started the career and then got injured. I don't... He wasn't very far into his career. Right. Maybe just a few months? It's very hard with One Tree Hill to know for certain. Even if we rewatch it, we might not even get the answer. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like hindsight, like, we're gonna... We'll be able to figure it out. Or maybe not, honestly. We probably will never figure some of this stuff out. It'll just keep being confusing. Yep. I think the deeper you think about it, the more confusing it is. <laughs> it's like, I just I, I just give up. Like, <laughs> there came a point when I was trying to, like, you know, figure out the exact timeline. I'm like, okay, here, okay, this happened at this time, and I'm like, fuck it. I just, just fuck it. <laughs> you just gotta live in the <sighs> Tree Hill world and just accept exactly. it and move on. <laughs> Yeah, you're absolutely right, but Are there other, any other teen pregnancies on this show? Like minor ones? I don't think so. Uh, 
or scares. Well, I was about to say I was about to say Rachel has a scare, but I don't think she ever had a scare. I think she just lied that she was pregnant. Uh, who did she lie to? Cooper. Oh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Hot Uncle yeah. Cooper. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think there was ever, like, a scare or anything like that, but regardless. One thing, though, I feel like there's a criticism of One Tree Hill where they say that it glamorizes teen pregnancy. I don't think it glamorizes it, real. I mean, the whole thing with Nathan and Haley, it's like, it's like okay, yeah, there's a teen getting pregnant, but... I don't think it's really glamorizing it because we were teenagers when we saw that. And I feel like there was like, I knew that this was fake. Yeah. And I knew that if like I was, you know, if I was a teenager to get somebody pregnant, it would not be like this. And I I feel (laughs) like, you know, you can look at Haley and Nathan, but then you can also look at Karen and Dan. And the show doesn't glamorize Karen and Dan at all. From the very beginning of this series, it is not glamorized. I can kind of see the argument even though it's very far-fetched how it all goes down with Nathan and Haley, I can kind of see that argument that it's a bit glamorized because it makes it seem like it's so easy. Maybe there were struggles, but like it just seemed like it came easy more so than there were struggles. Right. Like you said, I understand the criticism, but I still feel like I I always knew it was fake. Um, It's just an example of what is and what should never be. Much like the 20th episode of season one, which that makes it sound like it's a criticism of the episode, but actually the next episode is actually really great, and I am excited to talk about it, for the record. (laughs) Taken from our OTH DVD box sets, Bad Vibrations. Haley plans a party for Nathan, but you know what happens to the best laid schemes. The party ends with a catfight between Peyton and Nikki, and Nathan sitting in a jail cell. We'll be seeing ya. And Nathan sitting in a jail cell. Oh, I said sales. I don't know what I just said. Wait, what? Hold on. Do you want to say it again? I'm just going to say the last part. Okay. And Nathan sitting in a jail cell. <laughs> jail cell? I can't say the word. I, I, I heard it that time. Cell, <laughs> And Nathan sitting. <laughs> I can't say it. I'm sorry. I'll give you a second. I'm th- I almost want to keep this <laughs> in, honestly. <laughs> this is going into blooper reel. <laughs> Say it, Caitlin. You can do it. You can do it. I have faith in you. <laughs> and Nathan sitting in a jail cell. So. Say it without laughing. You can do it. <laughs> okay. I don't know why. This is so funny. <laughs> and Nathan sitting. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I am. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> You're going to have so much editing. I'm so sorry. Try to say it one more time. I'm not going to look at you. And Nathan sitting in a jail cell. Perfect. 